Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, this is Tony Guerrero, and you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Today's topic is getting ready for Christmas. Out where I live at the farm, we get ready for Christmas a bit early. I start listening to Christmas music the 1st of October. Don't cringe. My children groan and complain, and as a matter of fact, a few weeks ago when my oldest daughter, Alexis, was home, she said, Mom, I'm going to have to play the dead dog card and ask for no Christmas music. I looked shocked. I said, Lex, how can you? Her little sweet dog, Chloe, had died that week, and she was feeling pretty mopey. But wow, touch the mom's Christmas music? She was really pulling out all the straws. It was the only excuse that would work for me. Farmer Dean always drags out all of his Christmas lights. You know the Charlie Brown Christmas show, where Snoopy hangs all the ornaments and lights on his doghouse and it's a little overdone? Okay, well, that's kind of what I mean when it comes to the farmer. After all, he loves Christmas and he loves being outdoors. So put those two together and you've got a lot of lights. Last year, Dino was getting everything organized to decorate outside our house and yard and next door at the little church as well. He was so busy and he had things set out everywhere. I was working really hard getting things ready for Bible study and writing blogs and getting a Christmas newsletter ready for my family and our nonprofit Best Life Ministries. And I felt just a little bit stressed, kind of a lot stressed. I had speaking engagements and places that I was going to play the piano. But we had a church service that night, and I still remember it crystal clear because it really made an impact on me. It was at the end of our Thanksgiving service where I came home and I was prepping and getting ready to, you know, kind of get things organized to decorate for Christmas. And as I was inside dragging out boxes, there was Farmer Dean and he had set everything up right in the middle of the garage. He was taking things down from the attic and there it happened. I almost tripped right on the cement floor. You know what happened? Hmm. It was Jesus, the baby Jesus in the little cradle with a little straw plastic was right in front of me. I didn't see him and I almost tripped. And as I stopped, I thought to myself, you know what? This is really a great example of lives. In a way, it made such a great impact on me because I understood in those moments that there was the Christ child right in front of me. I was racing, running, getting ready for a busy season. I had to stop. So I surrounded myself with a camel, sheep, a few wise men, and baby Jesus. And I stopped and I bowed and I prayed and I said, you know what, God, this year is going to be different. I'm going to take time. I'm going to make time. I'm not going to stress out. I'm going to calm down. I needed to live in the present and remember the present, the baby who came to a manger to be our savior. And after those moments in the garage, Dino came back and said, why are you on the floor of the garage praying? And I explained what happened and he just smiled as he picked up the plastic baby in a manger and went to set him safely outside with his mom and his dad and the camel. And I began to realize something about Christmas. 
We've got to make it simple. We've got to make time we can't overdo. So the season started out so well for me last year. I had those speaking engagements and parties and dinners and Bible studies and the Christmas Eve service. But you know what? It really made an impact on who I was because I remembered being in the garage, stopping, almost tripping over the most important thing, the most important piece of Christmas. All of those things were lovely about Christmas, but the reason I was celebrating had been smack dab in front of me. What about you today? Why are you celebrating Christmas? Are you already out decorating? Do you have your lights up, your tree up? Are you excited? Do you already have your calendar booked? What are you making? Are you baking things? Are you overspending? Are you focusing on the to-do list and not on the why do it list? Well, I believe that God wants us to celebrate and go all out to rejoice that Christ came as a child to be born as our Savior. But let's keep perspective this year. Let's keep the focus on Christ and on each other. Let's celebrate and really live in the present. To kick off this fabulous Christmas season, I invited Best Life staffer and my friend Tony Guerrero to the show. You hear Tony right here on our show very often as he his podcast delivered is that fabulous segment called Everyday Worship. Well, Tony is a musician, author, and speaker, and his work in the jazz field has garnered him an international audience, critical praise, strong radio airplay, and a regular presence on the national jazz charts Boy, that's impressive. Tony, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I love it. So, Tony, you're part of this incredible jazz quintet that I love and follow, and it's called the Tony Guerrero Quintet. You guys look yes. really sharp in those suits with Co- all those instruments. Coincidentally, that's the name of it. Yeah. Yes, yes. So we can remember <laughs> that. And, and it's easy for you to remember, right? And yes. your original compositions um, and arrangements of old standards have like started appealing to everybody and i love that because you're bringing back these great songs and you know people of all ages are really drawn to them so what pulled you into this genre of music and how long have you guys been working together boy um you know i was into jazz from the time i was in junior high and high school um and but it was more contemporary jazz at the time and even though i had sort of a passing knowledge and interest in older styles of jazz, it really didn't get solidified for me until I was on tour in Europe. Uh, this is maybe around 1990 or so, and I, I was around a bunch of um, young European musicians who just love the uh, American jazz from the 1930s, that basic era, and they would get together every day and play just for fun, and I would go hang out with them. I was there for about three weeks, and it just... It, I, I mean, it was that time where I just fell in love with uh, that style of playing and that type of, um, that era of writing. And um, so again, so although I certainly knew about it and, you know, was familiar with a lot of the songs, I, I, it never really caught a hold of me like it did at that time. And then ever since then, I've just put a lot of energy into really learning that music. And, and uh, it's been a real challenge to adjust my playing from being, you know, my early albums were more contemporary jazz to uh, kind of establishing this new voice for myself. And uh, and I'm uh, such a huge Louis Armstrong fan, and there's just a whole bunch of um, influences from him that 
I try to bring into a lot of my music now. That's and, so neat. Now, is it true, Tony, that you really do have like a collection of memorabilia of his things at your house? I do. From what I've been told by a few people in the know, I have one of the largest personal collections on cool. this side of the country, for sure. Um, there are... Uh, I, I'm... I'm friends with the archivist in New York who takes care of the whole Louis Armstrong house and, and archives at Queen College. And um, so we, we have a good relationship, and I've been able to share a lot of my stuff with him, and, and I've been out there to visit as well. But, yeah, it was just sort of an odd thing to start collecting, and uh, it's not it's not like a Elvis memorabilia where it's readily available at Walmart. So, sure. Oh, um, that is so, so you know, neat. So it's been kind of a unique little thing that I've been able to do over the years. And uh, certainly once the Internet came out with things like eBay, I was able to do a lot more uh, through that. But I slowed down a little bit. My house is full. So. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things that I love um, about your music is that you do this incredible jazz, but you're also bringing back this really cool feel of swing band Plus, when I went to see you um, in Wisconsin a few years back, you were with John Tash. I know you're traveling with him again, right, for Christmas for his yeah, we're doing Christmas a few shows. Yep. Okay, so he had the big band as well, and and you know my listeners know that I talk about Glenn Miller a lot because I'm from Clorinda, and that's where he was born, and so uh-huh. it was kind of embedded in who we were as a marching band. We were always doing you know something fun of his. Sure. So tell me the difference, just for fun. Um, between your swing band feel, your big band feel, and your jazz feel? Uh, wow. Is that um, a tricky question? <laughs> uh, well, no. I mean, stylistically, there's a lot of places where all three of them intersect, and then there are unique things about each each type of ensemble. Obviously, with a big band, uh, you've got usually about 13 horns going, and so... What the rhythm section does has to, um, everybody has to be aware of what everybody else is doing. Uh, when you're in a, um, let's say, a quintet, while that's still true and you need to know what everybody's doing, you generally will have a lot more freedom because, uh, you know, in a big band, you can't do something that gets in the way of somebody else. Well, in any of these groups, you want to stay out of everybody else's way but bring your own thing to the table. So it's this balancing act. But the more musicians there are in a group, the more you have to be conscious of what's going on. Of course. Um, and, you know, the big band genre, uh, everybody's really familiar with the Glenn Miller era. It really started going back into the 30s, and, and to this day there's still um, big bands out there. But the style has changed. So there's a lot of modern big bands that wouldn't sound anything like Glenn Miller okay. uh, back in those days. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's the uh, same with the quintet. And, you know, my quintet, my drummer in my quintet really is a big band drummer. So he bring, brings a lot of that excitement into a small ensemble. Okay. Um, and uh, But I do a lot of arrangements that sort of call back to that big band era. And, you know, I, I, maybe I, I could think through that question a little more and give a better answer, but that's sort of right off the no, top of my that, head. That was I great. I, yeah. Now I'm going to have another hard question for you. So um, it was last summer that I walked into the Glenn Miller Museum in Clorinda and they, you know, like they trade different things from museum to museum. They bring things in and take it out of, of Glenn's. Right. And they had um, one of the pianos. It said original Glenn Miller band piano. And I think, okay, fabulous. And of course, you're not supposed to touch it, but you know, right. I'm I'm you doing did. it. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> no one will know, right? So right. anyway, my question is: 
you know, just watching um, and looking back at history and thinking about how he arranged things, you know, this is what you're doing, Tony. It just is mind-blowing. So you arranged this music like for John Tesh and now for the new CD CD that we're going to talk about with Jane Lynch and the others. I mean, how does your mind do that? How did you learn how to do that? Well, big band writing uh, is actually really new to me. I had um, it, it is a different art. Uh, I mean, there's a lot, a lot more rules and, and um, things to learn about orchestration that don't just come naturally to most people, myself included. And so, while I've been in music and I've been arranging for small ensembles for years, uh, I had never attempted a big band. And uh, it just wasn't anything I was pursuing. And for a lot of years, I wasn't really even uh, paying much attention to that music. I was very into the small groups that I was doing. And um, it was really when John Tesh called. Uh, I'm good friends with his music director, uh, Tim Landers, and he knows how much I love that era of music. And he called me and said, John wants to do a couple of big band records. You want to do the arrangements. And in that flash of a second, you know, there's a rule in the music industry or the in the arts in general where you... When somebody asks if you can do something, you say yes, because you don't want to lose the gig. Absolutely. And then you figure out how to do it. Right. So that was kind of what it was like. I said, I would love to do it, and uh, I had never done done it before. Mm. And But I did. I always had the sense that I, I could hear in my head what I wanted a big band to do. I just didn't know all the rules for getting it down on paper properly. Right. And so... For John's albums, I did all the arrangements top to bottom the way I heard them and to the best of my ability, and then I brought in an orchestrator I knew to kind of flesh out and make sure things, instruments were voiced correctly and that I was getting on paper what it is that I was hearing in my head. And so he helped me a lot with that. And then once John's things were done, uh, I actually went and I took a class a couple years ago and um, with a great big band arranger, and I just got a lot of those basics under my belt so I could um, start to do it on my own. And then little by little, I've just been doing more. And so the the stuff I'm doing now, I don't have to bring anybody else in, you know, wow. but it's, uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's very challenging, but oh, a lot of fun. I can imagine. So, Tony, you have a brand new CD out. Um, it's a 15-track CD right now with Jane Lynch, and many of our listeners will recognize that name because she was the crazy Sue Sylvester on Glee. And yes. also Kate Flannery, Flannery, right, is known yes. for her role on The Office as Meredith Palmer and Tim right. Davis from Glee as well. And this CD is called A Swinging, Swinging Little Christmas, featuring the Tony Guerrero Quintet. Friends, five of these songs are new originals from Tony, and I'm so excited to hear more about it. So how did you guys connect with Jane and Paula and Tim, and how did you guys get involved with the process of this great CD? Well, you know, years ago I was on staff at Saddleback Church, and the vocal director at the time was Tim Davis. And Tim, when he left there, it was because he got the job uh, of doing all the vocal production for the show Glee. And he, uh, uh, we've remained friends, and uh, you know, we're very good friends. And when Jane decided to, and that's how he got to know Jane, obviously. And then when Jane decided to do a uh, touring cabaret show, uh, she asked him about musicians, and he recommended me, and it kind of snowballed. It was supposed to be one gig with a, I was going to put it together a little trio, and then it turned into, so far, two years' worth of dates all over the country with my full quintet, and we've all just become very, very close friends, even outside of the band, uh, yeah, outside of the touring thing, and um, we've... Um, 
Kate describes that as there's this sort of zeitgeist among all of us where we all, my band members and Jane and Tim and Kate, we all sort of love the same era of mid-century jazz, uh, 1950s, 60s jazz. And so we found this common ground. And then uh, really it was just one day backstage, just just spouted out, hey, we should do a Christmas album. And we it just snowballed from there. Last year, uh, we my my quintet had put out just about, I don't remember, maybe six Christmas songs on a little EP thing that we were giving out. And uh, I asked Jane if she'd wanted to come sing one, and so she sang uh, a version of Jingle Bells. And it was really from that that it springboarded that we said, Jane, we really should do a, a whole album. And she loved the idea, and we've been working on it really all year and still working on it just now that it's out, getting it promoted and on radio and all of that. It's been a really fun process, and I've been very honored to do it. It's, uh, uh, I'm very proud of the work of all of us put into this. And you should be, because it is such an incredibly fun, fun CD. And my favorite Christmas CD kind of music is really what you guys have, you know, just captured. Several of the good, old, familiar, some fun new things. And I loved Andy Williams, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra growing up. Who was your favorite? Who did you go to when you were younger for Christmas music? Well, you know, really all those classics. My dad had a great record collection, and that was the music that was on the radio for us uh, at Christmas time. It's, you know, all the being Crosby, Frank Sinatra. For me personally, uh, that era is all, it's all about Frank Sinatra for me. Hmm, exactly. Um, me too. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, all of that music is just, uh, Jane likes to describe it as Christmas music kind of stopped in 1958, and we've all been listening to That's right. that, That's right. that music That's or versions of that our, music, yes, new yes. versions of that music. Yeah. So, listeners, here's Kate Flannery, Jane Lynch, and Tim Davis with the Tony Guerrero Quintet. And they're going to be singing a swinging little Christmas. I love it. Here we go. A swinging little Christmas time. We're gonna be wrapping up your present with the big shiny bow. You won't wanna miss a single minute. Don't be late for the show. There's gonna be gingerbread and toddies, and the band's gonna blow. A swinging little Christmas time. So get your scarf and mittens and your best winter coat. To ring the bell and come on in to kick all the snow. Then grab yourself a spot beneath the old mistletoe. Cause then gonna give you a kiss. Christmas will be ringing with the sound of the U. The joint will be rocking with the rhythm of some holiday tunes. But maybe it wouldn't be a party if it didn't have you. A swing a little Christmas time. Christmas time. A swing a little Christmas time. A swing a little Christmas time. 
a little bit about the CD and the kinds of songs that you guys have uh, put together because I know that the listeners are going to be excited to download on iTunes or purchase it. So let's talk about that a little bit and who helped you figure out what you were using and, you know, how, how much did Jane, you know, play a part in it or, or the other two? Well, on the, uh, you know, one of the really nice things about Jane is she's very, um, when when you're part of her team, like you're pretty much an equal voice. Like she takes our direction as well as she gives it to us. So we were we had a lot of voice into how the record ended up sounding and which songs we were going to do and uh in the end there's uh, you mentioned there's 15 songs on the album. Um five of them are originals but 10 of them are Christmas carols and there's a difference when people think about carols versus songs because Christmas songs to me are things like White Christmas and chestnuts roasting on open fire like those are the christmas songs we know mm-hmm. but christmas carols go back to the 1800s and and before and those other 10 songs are all um public domain christmas carols they're they're all very jesus centered and even though uh jane is not a christian artist and doesn't present herself as such these are the songs she loved and um you know it was just it was a lot of fun and very heartwarming to be able to record these kinds of songs. And we we put new uh, spins on them. Obviously, we don't we're not playing them with a pipe organ like in the 1800s. Sure, but we're sure. you know putting them in a jazz context, and and it's very um, it's a very fun, light little listen. Uh, you know, very heartwarming album. Oh, that's so neat. You know, what's really fun, Tony, I have to tell you this. Um, as I was working as the worship director in Wilmer, Minnesota, which is about a half an hour from me and about, I don't know, a little less than 20,000 people, uh, John has a radio station there as well. It was so neat because one day my pastors walked in and they said, we don't know if you know this or not, but the grandson of Franz Gruber lives right here. And I oh, said, wow. get out of town. And sure enough, he did. And he just died last year. I think he was 99 or something. It was the great, great, great grandson. So it was wow. so cool to know that, you know, the man who wrote Silent Night, the music for it, yeah. um, lived really close. How fun is well, that? And, and, and you know what? On, on this album, uh, Jane actually had us record Silent Night, but she didn't put any want any vocals on it. She just had let mm-hmm. us do an instrumental one, which kind of shows her character, too. This is mm-hmm. a Jane Lynch album, and there's a song she doesn't sing on at all. That's so. really neat. That's so yeah. neat. So, Tony, thinking about Christmas, what do you and Candace plan on doing with your kids? Do you have any tradition that you like to celebrate? Uh, for Christmas, my you know, my father is from Mexico, so Christmas Eve's are always at his home. And when I grew up, um, whether we were in California or going back to Mexico for the holidays, um, my my Mexican side of my family would generally celebrate on Christmas Eve, and then the Italian side of my family would celebrate on Christmas Day. So Christmas is always a two-day thing for us, at least. And, uh, in fact, in Mexico, there's also the Three Kings Day, and uh, which is a few days later. And so we just, you know, as kids, you try to get all the presents you can. So um, although this year we've decided we're going to have a uh, kind of a mid-century Christmas because... Um, in order to, this album we did with Jane, um, one of the props we bought for the album cover was a, a classic 1950s era um, 
silver tinsel Christmas tree. I saw it. And I so uh, Candace and I have that now, and we're going to use that for our Christmas tree this oh, year. Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> and the way that they dressed was so cool and so fun, yeah. too. So just thinking about Christmas coming up, because that's what we're talking about today on the episode, is that we're getting ready and getting our hearts prepared for Christmas. And you and I know the excitement, you know, the music, the food, the places that we go to celebrate. What's one really encouraging thing that you can tell us from not only being a musician, but a dad, a husband, and also, you know, a great producer? What can you tell us that will encourage the listeners about getting ready for Christmas? Well, I, um, it may sound kind of trite to say this, but as far as just remembering what the season is really about, and um, I... I always consider it a gift that we have all these great traditions that are just uh, heartwarming and part of our culture, like, you know, Santa Claus and silver bells and shopping malls and all those things that so many of the songs sing about that aren't about Jesus. I love all that stuff about Christmas, uh, Christmas trees and lights mm-hmm. and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but to me, it, it, really, it really does come together um, the closer we get to the holiday and the more you start to, you know, as, as far as when I'm, I find myself at church and playing with the, um, with the orchestra, with the band in, in church, like that's where it all really comes together for me. And uh, I wrote a Christmas musical a few years back, and the music from that was really um, very important to me as a writer. And we kind of revisit that every year. My kids, we sit down and watch the video of the show and uh, you know, that's really what it's about for me. And, and I know that that's true for a lot of the listeners, but it is something that in the busyness of our life, I think the more we hear it, it's just good to be reminded all the time and, and to never forget about that. Absolutely. Well, tell the listeners exactly where they can get this brand new CD from you. You can get Jane's album on, uh, it's on iTunes, it's on Amazon. You can get the um, the physical CD via a- Amazon. Um you can also, uh, we also have a very limited run of 12-inch vinyl. Uh, cool. We're about ha- half sold out already. So uh, if you go to uh, the website janelynchchristmas.com, you'll be able to find a link to buy vinyl. And a lot of people are collecting vinyl these days. That is and so I actually neat. just received the first test pressing this morning and started to listen to it. So it's very exciting being a guy who loves old vinyl. So. Me too. My husband keeps saying, how come we have all these records? And I keep saying, because <laughs> I'm listening to them. So Tony, thank you so much for being on the show. We're excited about your music. And thanks for being our friend and for being a part of the podcast so frequently. We're just happy to have you here. So have a fabulous Christmas and greet your family for us. You too. Thank you so much for having me and I hope to uh, talk to you soon. Hey, friends, here's John with our absolute favorite classic Christmas movies. This is John Jennings with three classic Christmas movie reviews. It's a Wonderful Life. The classic black and white beauty returns every Christmas season to remind us that each one of us matters and one life affects another as we walk through this journey called life. The 1946 classic stars James Stewart as George Bailey and Donna Reed as Mary. The young married couple lives in the small town of Bedford Falls. When money goes missing from the bank, George contemplates taking his life. A mysterious angel named Clarence and a look at what life would be without George makes a huge impact on the town of Bedford Falls and the sweet couple. Running time is 2 hours and 15 minutes, and this is a must for classic simplicity. Number 2 is The Miracle on 34th Street. This 1947 black-and-white movie starring Natalie Wood, Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, and John Payne 
determines if there really is a Santa, and if Edmund Gwen's character, Kris Kringle, is the real thing or a hoax. This classic Christmas tale touches on kindness, goodwill towards others, and a heavy dose of faith. Running time 1 hour and 36 minutes, a feel-good movie for a snowy afternoon. And number 3, A Charlie Brown Christmas. This 1956 original cartoon by comic strip creator Charles Schultz is a loved Christmas tradition for many. When Charlie Brown can't find the true meaning of Christmas, his friend Linus steps into the light and recites Scripture's Christmas story. Talk about back to basics. The whole Peanuts crew is reminded of the real meaning of Christmas. Running time, 30 minutes. Simple animation at its best. Take some time to pop some popcorn, put your feet up, and enjoy one or all three of these classic, simple Christmas movies. As you prepare and get ready for Christmas, remember to keep yourself in the mode of focusing on the reason for the season. That wonderful Christ child who came and was born as a baby and died on the cross for our sins. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, as we come into the season... We think about how you came as a child to become the savior of our sins. Thank you. Thank you for leaving your home and living here among us. Thank you for dying for us. We celebrate your birth this month. Help us keep everything in perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Listeners, I want to invite you out to the Little Church in the Grove on Christmas Eve at 11 p.m. Join us for a candlelight service. It's going to be great with hometown singer Matt Hagestuen. He's coming out to do a couple of numbers. It's just going to be quiet, peaceful, candlelight. We're going to sing Silent Night. Enjoy it with us, that country feeling of a little, fabulous, old, quaint 1900s church So come on out December 24th, 11 p.m. and join us for a candlelight service at the Church in the Grove. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Yeah.